Our text begins with an all-important statement. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It literally means the ability to understand. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Hebrews chapter 11, and then when you have your finger there, Hebrews is the New Testament, I want you to go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Deuteronomy. ever had your kids try to say Deuteronomy? Ever had adults try to say Deuteronomy? I've gotten hominy, I've gotten everything out of it. I have, in this series that we began a couple weeks ago, uh, that, we, that we postponed for the Christmas uh, presentations, how many enjoyed our Christmas presentations? Weren't those really nice? I tell you, they were... I, I can't thank Beverly and Sarah enough as their creativity came together. And then the three wise men and the, uh, the little, uh, little angel singing to the sheep. It's just a wonderful, wonderful presentation. Uh, and the handbells, the children's ministry came and did handbells. and sang. Uh, I just think, let, let them know one more time how much you appreciate it. Would you real quick this morning? As we get into this series, I'm going to wrap it up next week. I'm really excited about the series that I'm going to begin February or January 31st, the last Sunday of January. I'm going to talk to you for in the month of February about heaven. I'm going to talk to you about this glorious celestial place that we are going to call home. And I'm going to take you on a journey, hopefully unlike you have ever been on before because we long for this place we already call this place home we're just waiting on the day for the lord to take us there and so i'm going to start on that this wednesday night i'm going to finish up our series on uh what am i doing a series on on the authority of god and how his blessings work in his authority and then I'm going to, I've had a lot of people ask me, Pastor, can you teach me how to study the Bible? How many would like to learn how to study the Bible? Anybody here? Oh, four of you. I can get four of you at least. <laughs> I'm going to start a series to teach you how I study the Bible and to teach you 
how God's word can come alive, and you will never look at that book just as a book anymore. I've had a lot of people say, Pastor, you, you, make, you make the word so, so real and so transparent and so understandable. Well, I want to help you to see how I see in that. So beginning in a couple of weeks on, on uh, Wednesday night, I'm going to teach you how to be a student of the word and teach you how to study God's word. Some of you might say, oh, that's that's going to be like going back to school. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, It is is a joyful time. In your notes, as I'm coming into part two of this, I want you to do at the top of your notes, I have for the title of this sermon, The Power of the Seed. Is that correct? I want you to take your pen out, and I want you to add two words to that. I started to redo all the notes and redo all the stuff and said, no, nah, I'll, just, I'll just have you write it. It'll make more of an impact. Are you ready? I want you to put in front of power of the power of the seed, I want you to put faith is. Because we understand the power of the seed, or the seed is the word of God. But did you know that there are colleges secular colleges that actually have the Bible that people read and they study as literary and historical. They don't read it as spiritual and eternal. What causes the word to come alive is our faith. And I want you to look at me before you get into your notes. What causes the word to come alive in every aspect of Scripture is your faith. What makes something more vibrant in someone else's life than yours as a Christian? Faith, simply. Doesn't make them better. Doesn't make their faith better. But it does give an understanding. Faith is not belief. Belief is a passive word. I can believe in that painting over there. But if I have faith in that painting, it changes the whole dynamic. Am I making sense? Faith is an active word. Faith is what causes God's word to set all things in motion in your life. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it's by grace we're saved through through faith. It's God's grace that was enabled. In the book of Romans, it says that God sent his son into the world. And all the grace of God was established for you and I. To have the ability to be saved, the lost to be found, the dumb to speak, the deaf to hear, the blind to see. But yet it's faith in that grace that puts it in action. And there's people that you know, people that I know. It could be people that are sitting right in your chair right now that are not seeing 
the blessings and promises and purposes of God simply because they haven't ignited faith to really believe. Am I making any sense so far? Faith is the power of the seed. There is an understanding in God's word that must be attended to for us to come to the fullness of God's blessing. Let me read that again. It's on the screen. There is an understanding in God's word, yeah, that must be attended to for us to come to the fullness of God's blessing. What is that understanding? Faith is the power of the seed. Let's go to Hebrews. I'm going to read this out of two different translations. I'm going to read out the New International Version, and then I'm going to read out the Living Bible. And in between it, I'm going to give you a scripture to write down that I want you to go see. Look what it says. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Say, Pastor, this is so elementary. Really? You know how many people say that, yet they struggle day to day? Doesn't mean because you have faith you're not going to struggle. But if you have faith, you can understand the struggle. Therefore, be victorious. Let's read it. I want you to read it out loud with me. Faith, come on everyone, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then I got four words. It's in your notes. By faith, we understand. You know what the Bible implies? You can't even understand Scripture without faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the earthly mind is at enmity or ill will or adversity to God. It cannot even understand the things of God without faith. That's why you open your Bible. What the heck? Beget, 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 beget. Or we read a passage. What's this? What's this? This is where faith transforms. So I want you to say these four words with me. Do I have it on the screen there? No, I don't. By faith, we understand. Say that with me. By faith, we understand. Now I'm going to give you a paraphrase of Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It's not in your notes, but I want you to write this down. I want you to go study it yourself. This is a paraphrase, and I could have used, I could have used Proverbs 4. I could have used Proverbs 11. I could have used several different places, but this one says it the best. It's a paraphrase of Proverbs 9, verse 10. And it's very simply something that the Lord showed me many, many, many years ago, which has enabled my studying of God's word to become life-changing and transforming. When I, when I read God's word, I, I don't stumble through it. I don't, I don't sit back. If you've been to our Wednesday night class, how many of you can barely get through the reading of a portion of Scripture? 
because it comes alive to me. It becomes, it becomes more than just ink and page. It becomes life and breath, the depth of, of, of everything that I stand in and stand for. Look what it says here. Lord gave me this simple revelation out of Proverbs 9.10 years ago. Look what it says, and you can write it down in your, in your margin if you would. Knowledge. A lot of people have knowledge. You know, we have career students just because they want knowledge. Stormy, good to see you, bud. A lot of people want knowledge. But look what the scripture teaches. Knowledge guided by understanding is wisdom. And wisdom is what the Bible says we need to seek after. And we can't get wisdom without understanding. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge in and of itself can puff you up and give you all kinds of, of, of you know, head damage sometimes. Actually give you heart damage sometimes. I, I love, I love uh, uh, exegetical preaching. I love to take scripture and dissect it in context. You know, I, I take it in, in context where I get a fuller understanding of the nuances and the passages and the, the Greek, the Hebrew, and all that kind of, I love doing that stuff. But I, something the Lord taught me years ago, when I first started pastoring, I pastored my first church in Tyler, Texas. And as I was going there, the Lord spoke to me. And I asked, I got, I got kind of a little bit of argument with God. You ever get an argument with God? How many know you lose? But still. So God and I were talking. And I said, God, what are you taking me to Texas for? Everything's saved in Texas. The cows are saved. I mean, what do you take me to Texas for? If there's any Texans here, I love Texas. Don't, don't take it wrong. But God spoke to me on the way, and this has become the, 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 the driving force of this pastor. And he said these words. He said, son, if you'll love them, I'll change them. And for all my 30-plus years of pastoring, I've just tried to love people. If you love them, I'll change them. So I went there and I started preaching. And I started preaching exegetically, dissecting the scripture. We got lots of pastors that do that, and it's not wrong. But in one of my early days as a pastor, God spoke to me again. You say, preacher, God speaks to you a lot. Yeah, he does. You ought to have a conversation with me and him one of these days. We have very good conversations. And he said, you know the problem with that teaching? And just as soon as I say it, you're going to know it. It produces shallow Christians. And this is what God spoke to me. He speaks to me real simple. He said, it makes the head better, but it makes the heart bitter. Because the head enjoys it, but the heart has no idea what to do with it. Because it's not putting out application. It's not being applicable for life. Am I making any sense at all? Okay? Now, maybe you might disagree with me, but that's just, that's just kind of the, what has evolved the type of preaching that I do after all these years. I have sought diligently to understand the things of God, to understand what God is doing. So go, 
Go study out Proverbs 9 and 10. Let me take you to the same passage in Hebrews 11, verse 1 and verse 3. I'm going to read it out, out of the Living Bible. Now, the Living Bible is not really a translation. It is called a paraphrase, just like that passage in Proverbs 10. Knowledge guided by understanding is wisdom. It's a paraphrase. It's basically reading into and reading around the, the context of the message. Are we learning something today? You didn't know you'd come to church and learn so much in just one little short time, did you? What is faith, the writer writes? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. Verse 3, it is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. So let me kind of put this in a nutshell. Literally, what Bible faith says is God made a promise, and that promise is for me to believe and accept if I'm going to receive. In simple terms, faith grows as we understand, and as we understand, our wisdom catapults us beyond different specificities of life. Look what it says. Look what it says in your notes. You have to know before you can understand. We have to know that God's promises are ours. How many have ever sat back and said, I'm not sure if that's for me today or not? Anybody be honest today? I'm not sure if this is for me today or not. Let me take you all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 28, I'm going to read... Verses 2, verse 7, and verses 11 through 12. I'm reading this out of the the New International Version. Look what it says. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you. Underline this and circle it in your notes. If you obey. You know we have this fallacy in Christianity. It doesn't matter whether we obey or not. It's going to happen. I... I, I uh, started studying this new religion that came out a few years ago called Ultimate Reconciliation, which literally says everybody's going to be saved in the end. Even Satan himself is going to be saved. Uh, and that's a, that's a new type of religion that is sweeping, listen to me, the Christian church. The Christian church. Folks, I'd love it if everything was going to be okay. But my Bible tells me it's not. Those that have faith in God's grace, are set free. Are you with me today? He said, these blessings will accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Let's jump down a little bit here to the seventh verse. The Lord will grant that the enemies that rise up against you, you will, or they will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction And flee from you in seven. Now I left that in your notes, but I'm going to break it down in just a minute. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Oh, I know where he's going. I'm not talking about riches and wealth and possessions. I'm talking about life. John chapter 10 says the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me give you a little more Bible study. Go home and study John chapter 10. We think that passage is talking about Satan. 
And you're correct. But it's talking about much more than just Lucifer himself. It's talking about all of his strategy, which is a religious spirit. It says if a thief and robber comes in any other way, they can't get in. He said this door is going to be closed. There's one way. But the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. That you might have life. Now don't go run off on all prosperity stuff. Life and that more abundant. How many know life is a whole lot more than dollars and cents? Now I know if I had more dollars, it'd make a lot more sense. But, you know, I've been rich, I've been poor. I like rich better. Okay? But I'm okay poor. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Do you know why? In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, I found he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. See, contentment is not in what I have. It's in who I have. It's not in what I've done. It's in what he's done. Okay? They will flee from you seven directions. The Lord will grant you prosperity. The Lord will open the heavens. And in Malachi 3.10, he said, I will pour out a blessing. There won't be room enough to contain. Well, pastor, doesn't that talk about finances too? Yes, it does. But it talks about so much more. But too many of us are stuck on the dollars and cents part. So let me break down Deuteronomy. Verse 7, he said, the enemy will come against you and he will flee seven different ways. Literally, we have the only religion, if you will, in the world that has orchestrated the entire time frame of the world. Do you know we have a seven-day week because of God? So when God gives us the pictures of seven, many times there's much more than dealing with just a daytime or an event or an activity. He said, they will flee from you seven different ways. If you look in the literal translation of the word seven there, that they'll be defeated, it means that seven every single day of the week, you will be victorious because the enemy has been defeated already. That's what he's talking about in Deuteronomy 28, 2. Now, I'm going to take you over to Proverbs 6. I left this in your notes because I want some of you Bible scholars to go home and study this. Now, you do that very simply. You don't have to own one. You can go online and get what's called a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Okay? How many have one? Hey, praise the Lord. The second book you're going to need is the Greek Hebrew Lexicon. How many have it? I love it when people study God's word. And you can go and you can find these things happening. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31, the thief, when caught, has to repay, what's the words? Seven times. Literally, it means a daily repayment. But I want to take you deeper than that. We think, all right, I'm going to get everything back. You got to go. You got to go beyond the here and now. Okay, look what it says. The Hebrew word that is used there in Proverbs six thirty word is, is the word matzah. It looks like we're going to have tamales or something. Okay, it's matzah, 
And it doesn't just mean that the enemy is caught. But look what it says. It means to discover or that we found out or gained knowledge about. In other words, and I left in your notes, we come to a place of understanding that it is the enemy against us and not man, not circumstance, not situation, and that we have to discover in ourselves through faith that we have the authority over him every single day of the week that when he comes in to kill, steal, and destroy, I can stand up and say, listen to me, sucker. The devil is a liar, and Jesus has given me life and that more abundant. So I've got the victory. Can I say it like that in church? Somebody say amen. amen. Am I doing okay, Pastor Ray? Good. I always look over at him every once in a while to see if I'm getting that, that cocked eye look. Have you understood what I've said so far? I've laid a lot of groundwork, which means I'm going to take you through this message relatively quick. Now I want to take you back to our text from the last segment of this message. We ended in verse 20 of Mark 4, and we're going to go on to 25. Others like the seed are like seed grown, sown on good soil. And I want you to underline this. What do they do? They hear the word. And they accept the word. Do you know how many times I have preached God's word? And people have heard God's word, but they never accepted God's word. Oh, Pastor, that's for you. You're a lot more faith-filled than I am. You're a lot more of this. You're not. No, it's for everyone that will have faith to believe. Look what it says. They'll hear, they'll accept, and because of this, they'll produce a crop. Now, the interesting thing is it says some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Why is that? Because there's still a battle. There's still a battle that we have to deal with. Okay? But they will produce much more than they normally would on their own. And look what he says here. He said, when you get a lamp, do you put the lamp under a bed or under a bowl? No, you put it on a stand. You want to tell everybody. You want everybody to see what was hidden is now disclosed. What was concealed is now brought out in the open. When that word comes like a light illuminating you, you rise up and say, I got it. This is the victory that I've been waiting for. I don't have to let the enemy steal. Let me use those words purposely. Let the enemy steal. What I need to do is accept God's word that God is my source, God is my protection, God is my present help in time of trouble. Look what it says here. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. But then I want you to underline this in your notes. But carefully consider what you hear. Because with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me change that word measure and put understanding. 
with the understanding you have, it will come back to you. Man, I'm glad I came today. This is good stuff. And if you have understanding, look what it says. I will give you even more. But if you don't, even the little you have, God says, I'll start taking it away from you. Let me, let me share something with you. Do you know growth as a Christian is not an option? It's not. We're not just going to slip slide away into heaven. We're going to grow in this Christian faith. It's a choice. I need to be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. And not as good as I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm supposed to be growing. You come to a church like ours, and I've had this, I've had this told to me many times. Pastor, you, you dish out some pretty heavy meals. I've had people come up to me and tell me, I don't want a church like yours. I want an easy church. Of course, that's not Jim. Morning, Jim. How you doing, sir? I, I want... I want a seeker church, one that's seeking me and hoping to find me. You know what my Bible says? I'm supposed to be seeking him. And he said you will find him when you seek with all your heart. Am I making any sense today? Growth as a Christian is not an option. I should be saying, God, why is it that I'm always feeling defeated? And what can I do about it? And the pulpit should be giving you that information. That's what I try to do. I try to give you that information. So let me just quickly, verse 1, or chapter, uh, part 1, we must know to understand. Take you back to verse 23, I believe it is, in, in Mark. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That word hear does not mean actively hearing. It means comprehensively understanding. How many have ever, I'm going to put you husbands on the spot for a second. How many of you husbands have heard your wife and didn't understand a single thing she said? You women, this is a heck of a place to shout amen. My wife speaks to me, and sometimes I, I, I swear she's learned a different language. It happens in church all the time. 
we leave not understanding God's word. And it's generally not fully our fault, though it completely winds up being, because we're supposed to look in the word ourselves. My preaching God's word is not going to get you to heaven. Your accepting and receiving God's word is what gets you, what gets you to heaven. So we must know to understand. The first thing we must do is we must acknowledge, and I put it on the screen, listen to this, all of God's promises are still in operation and for you and I to abide in today. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this is the key. We must know our enemy to be victorious over him. We must know how he operates. And we're not going to know how he operates other than through God's word. Let's go back to Hebrews 4. And I'm going to read the 24th verse, but I'm going to read it out of the message translation. Eugene Peterson, once again, this is a, it's a very good translation, but it's part paraphrase, part translation. Listen to what he says here. Listen carefully to what I am saying, and be wary of the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in this world on your own. How many self-help books have we read? How many self-help gurus have we went to? How many, I don't care if you put Christian in the front of their names or not, telling you how, how if you give this, you'll get that. If you do that, you'll get this. How many, don't raise your hand, don't, please. How many people are telling us how to get ahead in the world with or without God? I've learned a long time ago, there's only one way to get ahead in the world, and that's through Christ. And look what it says here, Eugene Peterson. He said, giving, not getting, is the way to get ahead. Now, once again, people automatically think I'm talking about money. I'm talking about what they did at at, at Philippi, Macedonia. They gave themselves first. Their lives were totally surrendered unto Christ. And that's what caused them to do so much more than the Corinthian church. So much more than other church. Though they had so much less, it had nothing to do with abilities and resources. It had to do with heart. So let me bring it back to the church today. Many say, I know, Pastor, that God's blessings are for me. Okay, if that true is a true statement, then why do you spend so much time complaining after you're praising? Moaning and groaning of what's not happening. If you really believe that all of these are true for you, can I tell you something? My wife and I don't always have everything we want, but we have never not had everything we need. God is very good at taking care of the enemy. Are we? Pastor, how do we take care of the enemy? You give it to the one, you give the enemy to the one who can take care of him. And we don't do it on our own. Look what Eugene Peterson said. It was again the message translation in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. In, in, in uh, other translations, it would say you're blessed with what you say, you're cursed with what you say. Look what it says here. Words are powerful, 
take them seriously because words can be your salvation or your damnation. We have to understand that there's so much more to this, this whole aspect of, of, of the word and the, and the power of the seed that we by faith have to say, okay, God, if you said it, I'm good with it. Our text begins with an all-important statement. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It literally means the ability to understand. So I'm going to read Mark 4, 24, and 25. I left it in your notes because I want you to see how this is more accurately translated if you go back into the original Greek. Consider carefully what you hear. What's in parentheses? Did I leave it in your notes? What's in parentheses there? Okay. With what measure, what's in parentheses, you use it, what's the parentheses, will be measured back to you and even more. Let me read it to you. Consider carefully what you're understanding. For with the measure of understanding, or with the understanding you use, I will cause you to understand even more. Let me go on here. Whoever has, what's the word? Understanding will be given even more. But look at this. Whoever doesn't, he said, I'll take away what he already has. Growing as a Christian is not an option. God wants us to understand. He wants us to understand knowledge guided by understanding is how we obtain wisdom. We want to know what God's word says. We want to spend time in God's word understanding what he means. Therefore, we can have wisdom to live life. Am I, am I making sense today? How many of you are saying this is just too deep for Sunday morning? I, let's close it up. We'll go home right now. Good. I'm, nobody is bold enough to say that, so we're good. 103rd Psalm. We talked about this three weeks ago. God showed Moses his ways, and he showed Israel his acts. God showed Moses why he does what he does, and he showed Moses the, uh, the acts, or the, the Israel. This is the results of what I do. This is why it is right, critical to rightly divide God's word. The Living Translation says it this way. It's critical to know what his word says and what his word means. This is why we need to read our Bible. More than just Sunday morning. This is why your pastor goes through great lengths of putting these notes in front of you. I want you to go home and read. Because when you read, you begin to know. And when you begin to know, you begin to grow. And when you begin to grow, you begin to show. And when you begin to show, you begin to go. That others can see it. That whole lamp comes out from under the barren and gets loud and clear so everybody can see. Does that make sense today, folks? Let me go on quickly here. The key 
is not what we are or are not doing, but it's rather our understanding of what we are or are not doing. You see, God wants us blessed. God wants us to live a life filled with his presence and his peace. Look at the book of Luke. It says, whoever has sacrificed home, family, whatever you have sacrificed, will not lose. I left not out there. Put not in there. Will not lose out. That's a typo. That looks bad if you leave that out. Put not in there. Will not lose out. It'll all come back multiplied many times over. Look at this. In this lifetime. And then eternal life afterwards. God wants us blessed in peace, in providence, in this life. But the problem is, is we have eyes, but we can't see. We, we, we can't perceive because we have ears and yet don't understand or hear. The only way we'll ever receive from God is to first understand that God greatly desires, not for you just to get by, but to, to be an overcomer and an abundant child in this life. Look at Luke twelve thirty one. It is his good pleasure to give you and I the kingdom. But we won't understand that except by faith. We go back to our text. By faith, we understand. Do we really believe that God wants us blessed? Or do we just accept the way things are are the way things are and we never go out beyond trying to reach the potential in the realm of faith that God wants us to reach? Faith is the power of the seed. God's word is the seed. It was planted by the wayside. It was planted on the stony ground. It was planted uh, on the uh, on the the weeds, thank you, and it was planted in the good ground. The good, the seed was always good. The different grounds are you and I, where we are in our lives. God says, I want you to grab a hold of this seed and do something with it, and that happens by faith. We have to accept what his word has said is for us. We grow in God when we apply what we've seen, heard, and received. I'm going to bring this to a conclusion today, and I'll finish it up next week, if it's okay with you all. But I want to take you to the book of Jude. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jude. One of the smallest books in the Bible. Jude was one of Jesus' half-brothers. It is right before the book of Revelation. It's only got, you know, like uh, what, 20, 25, 25 verses. The whole passage. 
Jude, one of the Lord's brothers, is writing, and I'm going to read with the third verse out of the New International Version, but then I'm going to take you to what I have on the screen, which is the, the message translation. Now, now think about this. How many believe that God put everything in the book the way it should be? See, I know there's people that they have, I have a chronological Bible. You know, the book of Psalm is not the first, or not uh, the, the middle of the Bible, and the, and the book of Genesis is not really the first book of the Bible. If you go chronologically, the book of Job is the oldest book, and then it kind of goes on from there. But I believe that the way that the canon of Scripture was put together, I think it's exactly how God wanted it. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's coincidence that between John the Beloved, the disciple the Bible says whom Jesus loves, who authored the book of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. I don't think it's by chance that John had three books written that wound up before his, uh, his last book with Jesus' brother. I think just like brothers and, and family members have, we kind of get a closeness with our family that sometimes others don't get. Now, I'm not saying that Jude had any of the inside scoop, but he was raised with Jesus. I think Jude saw things, witnessed things, experienced things. Well, none of the rest of the disciples did. They only knew Jesus for, 30, for three years. Jude knew him 33 and a half years. And I think Jude grabbed a hold of something. And I want you to listen to this. Verse 3. And when you, when you leave here today, I'm going to give you homework. I want you to read the book of Jude. It's only 24 verses, 25 verses. Well, actually, it's 23 unless you consider the doxology, which is the signing out. Okay. Actually, it's only, it's only 20 if you take the first three, which is the benediction, you know, of saying, hi, how are you? Okay, anyway. We're going to have fun when I, teach you, when I show you how I study the Word of God. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you. Bill, you're right. Yeah, I thought so. Look what it says here. Dear friends, I'm reading the New International. Although I was very eager to write to you about the, sal about the salvation we share. Now stop there. Thank you. And my wife's saying it's for her. Is it for me or for her? Oh, for both of them. Oh, gosh. That's from Hensley, sweetie. Thank you, Hensley. Okay, look what he says. He said, I wanted to write to you of the salvation we share. And then he goes into some of the most tumultuous writing that is actually found in Scripture. He said, but I found it very necessary. Look what it says here. I had to write and urge you to contend for faith. Not just any faith, the faith that was, once, that was once entrusted to all the saints. Now some of you, how many here like boxing? What are boxers called? They're called contenders, aren't they? They're fighters. 
What's he telling us? I urge you to fight for this faith that the saints used to have. He said, I just want to talk to you about all the glory and the goodness and the blessing and this. But he said, there's a devil out there that's working night and day to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does it through religion. You need to look at it. You need to look at John chapter 10, you know, a lot differently than what you do. You read the whole thing. It's talking about a spirit of religion that swept into the church. It talks about the author of it, which is Satan. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. He said, I wanted to tell you just about salvation. But it's necessary that I tell you, the fight's not over. You want to have the victory God wants? Please look at me. Put your notes down. Look at me. Do you want to have the victory God wants in your life? Then we got to start believing what God said was for us today and standing and fighting. Say, devil, you're not going to steal. You've been discovered. Remember, the enemy, when he is discovered, when he is caught, he has to pay back seven times, literally every single day of your life. You will become victorious simply because you know it's the enemy stealing. Not your job, not your boss, not your family, not your paycheck. And then God says, okay, now that you know it's the enemy, I'm going to cause a little light to shine. And not the little one, light, light, shine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to, no, no. It's going to be a bursting light. That's going to rain. And you're going to walk around and people are going to say, what happened to you? And you're going to stand up and say, Jesus happened to me. I had to do that because Pastor Philemon's gone right now. So you guys can see I got the move. You've got that ability. You. When you leave here today, I encourage you to say, devil, you've chose to fight with the wrong guy. I know who you are. And I'm going to win. Can I finish this next week? How many will come back to hear the rest of it? Good. I got half the church coming back tomorrow. That's good. We're going to be dismissed in just a moment. Um, ask Pastor Ray to come. Take your notes home. This, this is one of those series that I just, I so encourage you, please lay before God and say, God, I want to grow. I want to know. Help me to understand. And he'll do that. He will do that. But you've got to come to him. Just like the prodigal son. The father never went looking for the prodigal son. And too many of us are prodigals. We're too many prodigals. We're doing our own thing in life. Oh, we love God. And chances are we're going to still make heaven. Because we haven't totally blown it all away. People have asked me, Pastor, you think the prodigal son would have made heaven? If he hadn't came back, that ain't my call. That's God's call. If I share with you what Scripture says, 
I'm not thinking so. God said faith is the power of his word. Faith enables you to believe what you haven't seen. To see what you haven't known. That you can do what you haven't done. That's what faith does. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be strong in you. God, Jude, I know it wasn't for nothing. God, that he penned those pages and they happened to be right before the last book. Your revelation that we need to earnestly contend for the faith. God, the victory is ours because the battle is yours. We thank you as we stand in that victory that you help us to be victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.